You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Alright, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. I am CJ Palmasano. I'm your host here. And wow. Just fucking wow. Um, the amount of things that have happened since I posted my WrestleMania predictions is a lot. Uh, and that's not even including... I mean, since I left you guys, WrestleMania has happened. That dumpster fire of a Monday Night Raw happened. Um, NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. I didn't even get to talk about that in the last episode. I'll talk about a little bit about it this episode. Um, NXT moving back to Tuesday nights. Uh, AEW. And the two really, really big news stories. But as Sean always says, you got to kick off the pod with the biggest news story there is. As of the time of this recording, WWE have released, uh, um, I can't even remember the exact number here, but they have released uh, more wrestlers a year after Black Wednesday. It is a year today at the time of this recording, April 15th, that they released these wrestlers. So, you know, all the ones that were, you know, that we, uh, I mentioned last year, you know, we talked about like all these wrestlers they released in the middle of the COVID, uh, of the pandemic. So for those of you who don't know, if you've been living under a rock, it's, I mean, it's only been a day since uh, at the time of this, you know, since I've released this episode, you know, I released my episodes on Fridays, but, um, so on Twitter at TNAWP, this podcast Twitter page, I had put out, WWE have released uh, Samoa Joe, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, Bo Dallas, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Kalisto, Wesley Blake, and Tucker. And there was one more they released a few hours ago at the time of this recording, that being Mojo Raleigh. Now, I don't believe anyone else has been released I will double check right now as we were looking at this. And I don't believe so. No. No other releases have been made. Alistair Black was a big rumor like, oh, is Black going to get released? But apparently, according to PW Insider, Alistair Black has been working on vignettes to uh, to have a, his TV return. So that's hope. I mean, that's a good thing. You know, they're investing time in him. So, okay, it's good. Um, But goddamn, man. How can you do this again? I mean, it's it's mind-boggling. I mean, okay, so some of these wrestlers, you can kind of think, all right, I get it. Like, and this is nothing. And this is no offense to these wrestlers, you know, Tucker, uh, Wesley Blake, Kalisto, Mickey James, Bull Dallas, Chelsea Green. You know, they really weren't doing much with these guys and girls. You know, Tucker, I mean, he, you know, he got buried once him and Otis split, you know. 
Um, Wesley Blake, they haven't really done anything with him since the whole, you know, uh, thing with Baron Corbin kind of just ended and they released Steve Cutler. Which, real quickly, isn't it fucking amazing how Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler get released, but Jackson Riker still has a fucking job? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that fucking amazing how two guys who are just, they come to work, they're doing their job, and they do what they have to do, and Jackson Riker, at the worst possible time in the world to throw his support to a certain United States president, gets so much shit, and as, you know, is found out to be a racist. <laughs> Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake are the ones who, who, lose, who lose their job, and... Jackson Riker is aligning himself with Elias, and he was at WrestleMania. Un un fucking believable. Uh, you know that that just that pisses me off. You know, uh, it's you know those are two really talented guys. Wesley Blake, you know, he was really great with tag team and Buddy Murphy, and I, I I like Steve Cutler too. You know, I really like the whole gimmick of the Forgotten Sons. You know, Blake and Cutler were great tag team and they were great in the ladder match for uh, at TakeOver 25 for the uh, NXT tag team titles in the ladder match, the vacant uh, the, the vacant one, you know the, the vacant tag titles uh, that year so they're a great tag team and it just sucks that you know, they they didn't do anything they got, you know, fired. Tucker I mean, he's, he's making lemonade as he says, you know, he goes on Twitter he says, freedom baby! And he even says, post a picture of him in like a, in like a golf shirt and and Bermuda shorts, I think. And he's like making lemonade. So Tucker's happy about this. Mickey James, I mean, Mickey James, they just, that's just not, they, they did nothing with her, hardly anything. Chelsea Green, I mean, I feel bad for Chelsea Green because she would always get injured. Like when they give her, want to give her these pushes, like she got injured. When she, they wanted to put part, make her part of the Survivor Series team for SmackDown uh, last year, and she got injured at Fatal Four Way match. She got injured in her NXT debut. You know, Chelsea Green really didn't get to show what she's made of. In WWE at all, like hardly at all, but she's making lemonade too because she posted pictures today on Instagram and Twitter saying that she's back, meaning the hot mess is back. So, and that's a great gimmick too. I love the hot mess, Chelsea Green or or uh, Laurel Van. Man, I can't remember her her Impact name. I, I I TNA name. I just really I didn't really watch Impact or TNA. I never really watched Impact or TNA too much. You know I. I'm not familiar with that, but Chelsea Green, the hot mess, man. She's fucking awesome. So, see, she seems to be making lemonade as well. Um, and the two that just really, really make me go, what? I'll, first, I, I guess I'll go with this one here. Samoa Joe. How the fuck do you release Samoa Joe? How in the flying fuck do you release Samoa Joe? One of the best pro wrestlers in the past 15 years. The guy has worked with everybody and has had amazing matches. With the likes of Kurt Angle, AJ Styles, just to name a few. He has great chemistry with Roman Reigns, Shinsuke Nakamura, and NXT. Like, that, that amazing NXT run he had. The matches he had with Finn Balor. Like... How do you release Samoa Joe? Other than injuries aside, injuries he's had in the past, what's what's wrong with Samoa Joe? What is it? What is it about Samoa Joe that that you you felt like he just 
couldn't hack it in the WWE, pal. What was it? The guy stand stood outside with Michael Cole in a fucking poncho in the middle of a thunderstorm where WrestleMania almost got canceled again because of a thunderstorm. He stood out there for you and you fucking release him? That's the thanks you give him? Hey, Joe, thanks for standing out in the middle of a thunderstorm before Mania started and really trying to help, you know, find us a way to kind of stall for time before we could get the show started. So we're releasing you. Th- that boggles my fucking mind. It really does. It really boggles my fucking mind. The guy is one of the few pro wrestlers who actually felt real, who actually felt like when he was on the mic and I heard him speak, he felt genuine and he felt like a real, like, a, like a, he felt like a real, like real, you know, he felt like a big deal, he, he didn't come off as, you know, a cookie cutter, he didn't come off as, as like, he's, he's reading from a script, he felt real, and every promo he cut, he just, I was drawn immediately, when I see Samoa Joe, I think that is, I believe this guy in the ring is the same guy he is outside of the ring, I, it, it baffles me, it fucking baffles me, I I want Samoa Joe to either go to New Japan or AEW once if he has a no compete clause. Knowing how much of a smart guy he is, and he said in interviews, I believe with Sam Roberts the SummerSlam weekend, you know, that he was able to work in a lot of money into his contract. He's got he's saying he's got a dope lawyer. Maybe the lawyer was able to get him uh, a no ninety day no compete clause in his contract. Maybe, but we don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um that's just it just baffles me, man. Samoa Joe is he's he's one of the best wrestlers in the world, you know. He just doesn't get to show it, and I'm hoping he can show it soon. I just you know I want to see him go against uh, Omega and John Moxley and uh, you know Tomohiro Ishii in, in New Japan, Okada, Ibushi, Will Ospreay. You know I want to see him go uh, you know go against fucking. Uh, Lance Archer, want to see him go against, you know, Powerhouse Hobbs, Brian Cage, you know, Darby Allin, uh, Kenny Omega, Christian Cage, you know, just, it's a good thing that the, that there are other places for people to go, otherwise I feel really, really bad for these people, but other than that, you know, there are the places to go, and then there's the two that, the one that pisses me off the most, I guess, I guess, or on the same level as Samoa Joe, it's it's not so much that, you know, like, I mean, Joe, they weren't using for a while, and they're just using for commentary, okay, but the other thing is, is that you release Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. Sometime in the middle or towards the end of 2020, we're coming, like, I think probably in September, October of 2020, I believe, the Iconics were in a feud with the Riot Squad. And the stipulation of this tag match you have on Raw is called losing, the losing team must break up. I don't know why Vince McMahon has such a fucking hard-on for breaking up tag teams. I don't fucking get it. I just don't. In a time where your tag team division is so, so, like, small and just not treated well and just, and is just, isn't taken seriously. And when you don't take something seriously, us fans are not going to take something seriously. So if you're not going to treat your tag division seriously, we're not going to take your tag champions or your tag division seriously. Same goes for your women's tag division. You clearly don't give a fuck about these women's tag team titles. And in this match, 
and this is a while ago, but you have Riot Squad, Ruby Riot, and Liv Morgan versus Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, the Iconics. Four very talented women, individually and together. They're all immensely talented. Billy Kay is hilarious, and she's got amazing character. Peyton Royce is right up there with the character and the charisma, and she's very funny, and she's excellent in the ring, too. I think Peyton is probably the better worker of the two, it's fair to say. Not that I say I don't like Billy Kay at all. I think Billy Kay is awesome. Together, they're amazing. I mean, I was there for their, their victory at WrestleMania when they won the tag titles, and I was just like, fucking yes, they deserve it. And then you got Liv, Liv Morgan Ruby Riot, who I believe I was talking about you know, sometime last week. I was talking about them last week with, with the predictions, saying that they should be tag team champions because they're the only women's tag team that feels like a real tag team. I don't care how long Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler have been holding these tag titles. I don't see them as a tag team. They, they're not believable to me as a tag team, and they're not entertaining at all. If anything, Nia Jax brings down Shayna Baszler so much. So, obviously, the Iconics break up because they lose to the Riot Squad. But what do you do? You send Billy Kay over to SmackDown and Peyton stays on Raw. Because the big reason is, is that Vince McMahon has high hopes and has sees a big future for Peyton Royce. And how many fucking times have we seen this? That Vince McMahon is high on wrestler A, B, C, D, E, F, G. They get about a push for two or three weeks, and then Vince gets bored with them, and they do fuck all in catering. That's what happened to Peyton Royce. She barely did anything. And she, they, tamed, they teamed her with Lacey Evans, which made no fucking sense. Why would you break her up from her tag partner to give her a however many weeks singles push and then put her in a team with somebody else? I don't get that. I don't fucking get that. And then you give her this ta- raw tag, uh, this raw women's championship against Oscar. She cuts this really great promo on Raw Talk. And that's, and then that's it. That's all Peyton Royce did in her singles run. Then you have Billy Kay, like I said, who is phenomenal with comedic timing. She is so charismatic. She is excellent. And you do fuck all with this resume story. Not only that, but you pair her up with Carmella. They are a last-minute addition to this women's tag team turmoil uh, match to determine who will face the tag champions the following night and you break and you release Billy Kay you just put her and Carmella together what the fuck are you doing it really boggles my fucking mind man I don't understand what this I don't understand it first of all we're still in a pandemic and yes things are better we have vaccines and, and, and the world's starting to look up now but it's just so fucked up like a a year, exactly a year later, from when you released all these wrestlers, exactly a year year later, you released more. And it just this is the part of WWE that I I don't fucking like, and I just will not I I, I can't stand. And you know, and some of you maybe listen like, oh, why well, you still watch it if you really hate the company? I'm like, listen. There are things that they do where, you know, like, oh, man, it's it's great, you know. And then there's really shitty things. Listen, no company is perfect, okay? No company is perfect. You know, and I will call out bullshit for any company, whether it be WWE or AEW, you know, New Japan or whatever. I'll give praise, credit where credit is due, you know. 
However, this is bullshit apart. This is bullshit on WWE. Uh, I, I, and it's like, oh, again, when you watch, I'm like, listen, I watch for wrestlers like I, I'm fans of, okay? I am not a supporter of, I don't support one company or I don't support a few companies. What I do is I support wrestlers and I support wrestling. I support guys like Drew McIntyre, like Daniel Bryan, Cesaro, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns. Shinsuke Nakamura, AJ Styles, The Fiend, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, just to name a few. And then you go to NXT, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong. Uh, Fucking, you know, I like Dexter Loomis, Bronson Reed, you know, all these guys. They're great professional wrestlers and I support professional wrestlers I don't support just a company and blindly follow a company okay so that's why I still watch wrestling because wrestling itself is an amazing beautiful work of art it can be sometimes it can be complete and utter dog shit but it can be a beautiful work of art an amazing storytelling masterpiece and this is this is not one of those times unfortunately so that is the big that was the big news story that broke and it's definitely what we need to open up with this podcast where do i see a lot of these wrestlers going to other places some of them i mean i can like i said i can see samoa joe go to AEW or uh to new japan and some people from Ring of Honor are even calling him out. So he could even go back to Ring of Honor, which would be cool. That, I mean, if Ring of Honor were able to get Samoa Joe, that would be a huge get for Ring of Honor, getting getting their their longest reigning champion back, arguably the one of one of the greatest, maybe the greatest Ring of Honor champion of all time in Samoa Joe. Could he go to Impact? Maybe, maybe he could. Billy Kane, Peyton Royce, I say that they should go to AEW. For sure, because if it's one thing that AEW needs, it's more women. They need a stronger stacked women division. Chelsea Green should go to, to AEW. Uh, fuck it, Mickey James should go to AEW. Just to build and have someone like that on their roster in the, for the women's division to be, to, to, to help these, these women. You know, you have Serena Deeb who's been around forever. But one thing the women's division lacks is that they don't have that, that Chris Jericho or that Dustin Rhodes-esque kind of wrestler on their roster. They don't have that. Again, Serena D was a trainer in WWE. She was on TV. She wrestled on SmackDown for a bit, and she was part of the straighted society. But the tenure that Mickie James has, the amount of things that the women in the AEW women's division could learn from Mickie James is insurmountable. So all the women who got released from WWE should go to AEW when the opportunity arrives. Make it work. Make it, you know, make it make sense, so to speak. Because you don't just want all of them to show up in one night. Unless you're going to form a faction, which I doubt you will. Um, just make it, just, just want to make sense. Which is something AEW does. You know, um... A lot of these guys, I don't know what else they're going to do. You know, 
Steve Cutler, I can't remember his the name he's going by now, probably his real name. Uh, you know, he te- he tags Wesley Blake in a tweet and said from the Paul Rudd Hot Ones video uh, interview and goes, "Hey, look at us." You know, how do we, you know what is it? How we get here? How do you think we get here? Like, not me. Whatever the whatever the meme is. Sorry, I'm fucking up. Um, Tucker is very enthusiastic that he's going to revitalize his career, and he's got the great he's got the good attitude for it. Him and Chelsea Green have the attitude for it, where they're just like, "I'm not going to let this get, keep me down." I don't know about Kalisto. I don't know about um, uh, Mojo Raleigh. I'm sure they'll find something. I could see Mojo Raleigh go to Impact. I could see Kalisto possibly go to CMLL or AAA or even Impact as well. Um, you know, maybe Kalisto could go to AEW as well. I'm not sure. Maybe we could. He could. He could tear it up with with uh, Pentagon or Ray Phoenix or Pack or you know just something. Laredo Kid. I, I'm not sure if later Laredo Kid is signed, but whatever. There's a partnership. Anyway, that's it's just a really sad, sad thing, man. They they're all immensely talented people, and they get the shit end of the stick, and it fucking sucks. But on to more positive news that broke. Um, it was announced on Impact's TV show last night that Mauro Ranallo is returning to wrestling for one night on commentary to do commentary for the title for title match between Impact Champion Rich Swan and AEW Champion Kenny Omega at the Rebellion pay-per-view. He's going to be doing commentary for Omega versus Swan. Oh my god, from a day that was just so shitty and that had horrible horrible news, I'm so happy to hear this. I have missed Mauro Ranallo so much. I have missed him. We have not heard his voice since last year in NXT where you know he uh, he had left the promotion. Um, you know, I believe he was, uh, I think he was having family issues. I think his mother was very sick, so he wanted to leave. Um, I'm so happy for this. I am so happy for this because I miss Mauro Ranallo doing commentary for wrestling. You know, it's not that the NXT commentary team isn't good. You know, Vic Josephs, he, he does a good job. Wade Barrett does great commentary on color commentary. Beth Phoenix has really improved over the past few years. I really enjoy her commentary, too, because it was hard in the beginning. I could tell, you know, she was trying to uh, adjust to, to everything. But Beth Phoenix is in her is in her own element, man. She does a fantastic job. Um, the whole team as a whole, they're they're good. They're really good, but it's like... But man, you really miss, you know, Nigel McGuinness on NXT, which I'm pretty sure Nigel does NXT UK, and I'm sorry if I'm not familiar with it, but, you know, NXT, I don't really watch NXT UK. Um, and then Mauro Ronaldo, man, you know, Mauro and Nigel McGuinness is such a great combination. Um, I'm just excited. I'm excited for Morrow to come back to wrestling. Would he be? Would he be the new Impact play-by-play guy? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's Josh Matthews' role, unless he step step back. I think I remember reading something about that a while ago. I'm not sure, but Morrow needs to come back to wrestling, and it would just be uh, uh it would just be really great. It would be really great, and I miss Morrow. Uh, so this made me really, really happy. All right, now we're gonna get into the rest of the stuff that had happened from. Some things prior to my episode from last Friday to what's happened from Mania to now. So I'm going to try and get through all of this. Um, First, I'm going to go over things that happened at WrestleMania. 
Uh, I won't be going through everything. I'll try to get through as much as I can. But one thing I do want to talk about is... um, Let's get the bad out of the way first, okay? So, Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful had reported that the reason for the shitty Fiend versus Orton match was the reason was being was because Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard wanted that finish and they said thought that's how the finish would go and they fought for the finish to stay that way and they wanted Randy to go over where whereas the talent didn't think that was the right decision they felt Bray should have gone over i mean he should have where if you're building the fiend up as this babyface, and if Randy is clearly the heel, then shouldn't he get his comeuppance? Shouldn't he? Shouldn't the fiend get his revenge for being burned alive for fuck's sake? But no, they they just they they fucking you know ruin the fiend again. You know, I don't know where this is gonna go. I don't because a lot of people say the fiend was ruined when he lost to Goldberg. And that's that's very true. Firefly Funhouse comes comes in, and it's like okay, the Bray Bray Wyatt is fucking brilliant. And you know, as time goes on, you know the the partnership with Alexa Bliss, and I think him and Bliss have been really good together. But then you have this you have this amazing visual of his entrance, and you know, for and then Byron Saxon or Michael Cole going over oh, this was box like structure. It's a fucking box. Just say it's a box. It's a fucking jack-in-the-box. The Fiend, by magic, apparently goes back to being the Fiend himself. I'm like, all right, it's wrestling. So, like I said, some things can be fucking silly with wrestling. Um, and I loved his mask. Um, I, I messaged uh, an old friend of mine I used to work with that, uh, well, we used to be bartenders at medieval times. Shout out to my uh, my old friend, Matt LaLoya. How's it going, man? Um, I messaged him. I'm like, dude, the Fiend's mask looks like Joker's face in uh, Death of the Family. And then he had messaged me a couple days later. He's like, yeah, I just... After Mania, he's like, yeah, I just wish they would do something cool with The Fiend. And I'm like, I know. Me too, man. Um, if I didn't reply to your DM, man, I'm sorry. It's been fucking busy lately. Um, it's just... it's it, it just fucking sucks, man. They, I just tweeted out. I'm just like, they don't know what the fuck they're doing with Bray Wyatt. They they just don't. They at this point I am convinced they don't know what to do with Bray. They don't. And his style of wrestling and how he is so character driven, I'm not sure how he would work in other promotions. I don't know how he would work in AEW. I don't know how he would work in New Japan where they're very much like sports aspect based. There isn't really any room for like spooky kind of stuff. Most of the storylines, like they all kind of make sense in a way. WWE, you can really get away with some of the like the the wackier type of shit. Impact, maybe Impact, maybe he'd probably try and probably do a good job over there. But if I'm Bray Wyatt, I'm just like, why the fuck am I still with this company? They don't get me. They don't get what I'm doing. They don't get the cat. Like even though the fans. Fuck, we we love Bray Wyatt. We love him. He's amazing. Like, you know, they booed the the finish of the match, and then they booed when they just disappeared and nothing fucking happened. (laughs) And then the night before, you have fucking Natalia and uh, Tamina win the fucking (laughs) 
tag team tournament match. Why? Why? I mean, WWE are the only ones that want to see Nia Jax versus Tamina. Oh, fucking hell, man. And, you know, I didn't want to see it. The Riot Squad should have won that match. And, fuck, like, for God's sake, you have that, the, the t- women's tag team title match follow Bray and Randy? <laughs> like, you are not letting me, you are not keeping my attention when you're doing that. I literally was on my phone the entire time waiting for the match to be over. That's what I am. This is nothing against the women in the match personally. This is against WWE's shitty fucking booking. You have not done anything for me to be invested in any of them in their characters or them as a team because they don't feel like a fucking team none of them do they just don't the only ones that feel like a team were the riot squad maybe carmella and and billy k they had something there man they even if they won, I would be like, oh, okay, let's see, because this is new, it's fresh, it's exciting, and obviously we can't have fucking nice things, WWE. We just can't. But that happens, and um, I'll skip back to like night one. All right, kind of going all over the place here, but night one clearly was the better night. It was clearly the better night. Night two, I mean, those two first two matches were really bad, man, and some of the segments they did. But the first night, you know, I thought it was hilarious that the Tampa crowd was booing Hogan. They were booing him. That's why the next night they had Hogan and Titus come out together, even though the crowd was still booing Hogan when he would speak. Also, Hulk Hogan is a shit pirate. Titus O'Neil was playing it up. He's like, argh. He was being a good pirate. You know, you got to get the argh in your R's, man. You know... Titus Stone is like, welcome to WrestleMania. We made these arg. And Hogan's just like, R, 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 R. I'm like, fucking get some grit in your fucking voice, man. Get some grit. Arr. Get that, man. It's not fucking hard. Jesus Christ, you can do a, a decent uh, impression of your of your of your friend of me, Macho Man Randy Savage. I've heard you do. You he gets so oh yeah, oh Hogan, yeah, you son of a bitch, you're a shit pirate. I'm gonna fucking get you, man. Oh yeah, oh that was so bad, brother. It was, it was so bad, and you know I I and I can't believe they also referenced. Where there he's Hulk calls the crowd scallywags and Titus is like whoa 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 man you can't call the WWE universe that you can't say that word to the WWE universe you can't call them that referencing when Hogan used the N word oh Christ Almighty and I'll get this other shit fucking segment out of the way too with Hogan Titus you know in the moment where Bailey was killing it I don't know why Bailey wasn't the host of WrestleMania in her mind she was but. She should have been her or Billy Kay. Um, in the moment where Becky Lynch was apparently supposed to return, they they just have the the, uh, the Bella Twins come out. It's like very, very underwhelming. I'm like, I, I'm going to my girlfriend watching the show. Becky's coming out. Becky's coming out. This is it. Becky's coming out. And even even if she didn't come back to fully to return, this would have been a great time to do it. But evidently not. So they fucking changed it. Uh, let's just get into the good, okay? I'm, I'm rambling way too much, and this is going to be a bit of a long episode, folks, so bear with me. So, uh, WrestleMania Night 1 kicks off with Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley. This match was fantastic. I love this match. 
uh, Drew was the first entrance, and you could just see the emotion in his face and his eyes, and he's just he's just uh, overjoyed to have fans back, as all the wrestlers were. Even Randy Orton the following night, he was I could tell he was very, trying very very hard to compose, not not to like you know trying to compose himself and just you know and to take it easy. So. The match happens between Bobby and Drew, and the match is very good. Back and forth. The crowd are super into it. Um, I wasn't crazy about the finish when it happened. I think I'm in the small minority, or just small majority, whatever the terminology is. I'm a fucking idiot, okay? I didn't even finish college. Um, so I'm doing this podcast. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, MVP distracts Drew and you know Bobby gets the hurt lock in and he's like and he Drew passes out and doesn't tap out. You know, th- with time that's passed, you know, is it a good call to make Bobby to have him keep the championship? It is a good call. Um, Nate Almeida, a good buddy of mine and former guest of this podcast, we were tweeting with each other and I was I said something along the lines of you know. Um, I like Lashley as champion, I do, but you know Drew really got fucked over last year. He couldn't get his moment in front of fans. If this was the, why like, could you just follow through on the plan and everything? And Nate says to me that you know said that he's like once I saw that they kicked out Benjamin and Alexander, I knew Drew uh, Bobby was retaining because if Drew won the title, Bobby would be back to square one and would really be lost. Um, which they're doing Drew versus Bobby at WrestleMania Backlash. I'm like, what What the fuck is that? It's like Backlash and WrestleMania fucked, and they had this pay-per-view, which is still a Thunderdome pay-per-view, but I digress. Um, the match is really good uh, because Drew never had the Claymore, and Bobby and Drew passed out from the Hurt Lock. He didn't tap out. So both guys looked really good. Um if this is the case, then you know what? I want Bobby to be champion for a little while longer. I don't... Because one thing, I'll be more pissed off if Drew wins the title back from uh, Lashley at the next pay-per-view. I'm Because if he does, I'll be very pissed off. I'm just like, if you're going to do that, why the fuck do you even bother? Why do you even bother? Because you could have done that at Mania. You could have done that at Mania when Drew could have gotten the title back in front of fans, and then you could have he could have dropped it back to Bobby at the next pay-per-view. Just for his moment, you know? Because if Drew wins the title at the next pay-per-view, I'll, I will be pissed. I, I, I love Drew, don't get me wrong. I'll be happy he's champion, but that will put him in Roman Reigns type of territory with fans, and I don't want that for him. I really, really don't, because he's been fantastic, and he's been holding it down during this pandemic. You know, he's been my favorite wrestler in WWE for a while now, and I... I don't have to. I don't have to keep repeating myself about how much I love Drew McIntyre. I've said it many, many times in this podcast, many, many times for years. I've been saying it. So that happens. I'm going to jump around a little bit here. Seth Rollins versus Cesaro was mwah, beautiful, fantastic. Cesaro won. The right guy who should have won the won the won the match. Uh, you know he uh, Rollins doing that corkscrew. Frog splash! That was amazing. Cesaro swinging him all over the place, and then doing the UFO and swinging him with no hands. Like Cesaro did an amazing job, and Rollins putting over his boy. It was a it was a fun time, man. It was a really excellent time uh, in this match with uh, Rollins and Cesaro. Uh, I'm gonna kind of look up the rest of the card here of what happened, and just kind of do a little bit because I'm kind of hazy on my memory at the moment. 
I'm doing this pretty late at night as I'm uh, doing this. So, yeah, uh, Cesaro was amazing. AJ Styles and Omos, the new Raw Tag Team Champions. Funny enough how Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods were beating on down on the heel AJ Styles. Omos looked great in the match, and now AJ Styles is the only ever wrestler to be a Grand Slam champion in both WWE and TNA Impact. Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon was a match. <laughs> it was a match, so, okay, whatever. Uh, the, there were cool bits, you know, Braun ripping open the cage and then throwing Shane on top of it. Shane doing a, a flat back bump from the top or flip bump or whatever you want to fucking call it over the cage. That was fucking crazy. But the but one thing I just I was just not expecting. I because oh, holy shit, man. Bad Bunny. God damn. I got a shit ton of respect for Bad Bunny. You, you, how many times have we have we gone into WrestleManias and pay-per-views and we've seen celebrities come in and put on amazing matches? You know, we saw Stephen Amell do it with, with, with Pac or Neville back then. You know, and Stephen Amell held his own. And Stephen Amell is a decent wrestler. But dude, Bad Bunny, I'm just going to say it. Bad Bunny had the best wrestling match a celebrity has ever had Period. He's had the best wrestling match as a celebrity. Period. For sure the best one in WWE. But he made... Because I, I can't think of any others that were maybe better. I, I, I just can't. If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. Tell, name me some of the matches because I can't right now. Fucking doing Canadian Destroyer John, to John Morrison outside the ring. Suicide dives. Selling in the... Ma- like... Randy Orton was saying on the bump the following day that he was putting in that work, man, that he was he was practicing in the practice ring for three, five hours a day. And you know what? I got respect for the dude. He did an amazing job, and he clearly loves this, and he clearly wanted to contribute, and he didn't just want to be, come in, make some money, and leave. He wanted to put in the work. He put time for a storyline from, from, from January all the way to now. So... Props to Bad Bunny, man. It just sucks the following night on Raw. Damian Priest got buried. Oh, fuck. Okay, we'll get into that a little bit, okay? We got more shit to get into. Okay, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. Love the match. It was a fun little match. Um, fight forever, these two. I love the the difference of, you know, now that, you know, Owens is the baby face, Sami's the heel. You know, the role's being reversed, leaning to the Logan Paul stunner. Fine. It was good. Riddle versus Sheamus. God damn. Damn, man, that was a hell of a lot of fun. That was so much fun. I mean, they had they have great chemistry together, Riddle and Sheamus. And that bro kick, that moonsault into the bro kick, wow. Holy shit, wow. Sheamus, New Year's champion, loved that match. Apollo Crews and Big E, Nigerian jump fight, um, it was it was a match. It was okay. I mean, they um they didn't use any of the drums. At all as weapons, but and then Davakeo shows up and they're like, "Oh, who is this man?" Like he was he was on TV. You can't remember him. Apparently, he's getting a new name. I can't remember where it is. Oscar Rhea Ripley, um, awesome, fucking awesome. Um, the match could have gone a little longer, but Rhea Ripley's a new Raw Women's Champion. I love that for Rhea Ripley. Um, and some of you might be saying, "CJ, you, you skipped over the main event of WrestleMania Night One." I know, I'm getting to it. I forgot too, okay? I, I forgot. You may have not forgotten, but I did. Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Beautiful. 
fucking beautiful. This this was with the only ever two main event matches happening at WrestleMania for women. Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks had an amazing match, and it's better than Becky Lynch versus Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey. It is. It just is. It it is. Yes, yes, it is because th- their feud wasn't over convoluted. The build may have not been that great, but the match was amazing. You know, both of them playing to their strengths, like Sasha healing it the fuck up, man. I'm like, yes, that's the boss, baby. That is Sasha Banks. But overall, my favorite spot in that whole match, Bianca Belair bringing back that hair whip, whoops, fucking whipping Sasha in the stomach, cutting her open, hitting the KOD, and fuck, just Bianca Belair, new SmackDown Women's Champion, man. I love that. What I love about this WrestleMania whole week, you know, they they used it to, it was very reminiscent of Batista and John Cena for Bianca and Rhea Ripley. New champions, new stars, and they had their moment at WrestleMania. Loved it, man. That's actually something WWE did right for once. Um, But probably my most anticipated match of the weekend of WrestleMania and the best match on night two, and in my opinion, probably the be- the best match for night night one or two at WrestleMania, the triple threat match: Roman Reigns versus Edge versus Daniel Bryan. This match was amazing. I tweeted out before the match started a live yes chant in front of fans, fans cheering for Edge for his first proper wrestling match back in the WWE, with fans in attendance. And Roman Reigns getting booed for the right reasons. Oh, man. Roman was eating it up, man. The fans were booing him because you're supposed to be booing him now. The, he was interacting with them. He must he must have been chomping at the bit to interact with fans who have been booing him for so long. And now that they're booing him for the right reasons, he can get in their face. He can curse them out. He can He can do anything now. And it's amazing to see. And he must be so fucking happy that he's finally getting to do that. You know, Jey Uso was a big proponent in this match, helping Roman cheat. The the amazing spot where Edge and Daniel Bryan both have him in a submission hole. Edge has him in a crossface with a piece of the chair in Roman's mouth. And then Daniel Bryan getting getting the yes lock in. They're just like, you get off, you get off, you get off. You, where no one's even paying attention to the fact that Roman tapped out. No one is paying attention to that. Edge and Daniel Bryan made Roman Reigns tap out. But fucking hell, man. This this had big move after big move. Different sequences. And Edge and Roman both going for spears. Jey Uso being the deciding factor. Helping Roman win. Roman Reigns, you know, getting the spear on Edge. Bryan being taken out with a chair. And taking Edge on top of Bryan and pinning them both. I mean, I guess technically Edge wins. But it was really, but it, the match was so good. I didn't even care. That main event was beautiful. Everybody played their role perfectly, and I'm not even upset that Roman Reigns walked out the winner as Universal Champion. I'm not because he's been doing an amazing job. And at this point, who is going to stop Roman Reigns? Who is going to stop him? Is it going to be Big E, Cesaro? I think I hope so. One of those guys, because he's Roman's. Roman's the man, and best work of his career by far. Best work of Roman's career. A little bit along there with WrestleMania, but I just had to talk about it, man. You know, it was a fucking, it was, it was a fun weekend. It was fun to see wrestling uh, with real fans again. You know, um, 
But uh, let's get a little bit of that dog shit fucking dumpster fire of a Raw. So uh, this is... Oh, man, this this is fucking ridiculous. So let's just try and... Let's just try and process what happened, shall we? Let's just try and process the ridiculousness of Monday Night Raw. By far, the worst post-Raw after Mania ever. This felt like a normal, everyday episode of Monday Night Raw. You know, nothing happened. Nothing amazing happened. We had a few returns because the Viking Raiders were back. Cool. But nothing really fucking happened, man. Nothing really fucking happened. I mean, why, like, you know, I was just like, there's no way I'm going to fucking watch because nothing amazing is going to happen. Nothing cool is going to happen. Nothing, there's nothing important to me at all, you know? Damien Priest gets fucking buried. Alexa Bliss leaves the fiend because she claims she's more evil without without him. Great fucking explanation. And she has a puppet named Lily. Hmm. Charlotte Flair does is back, and she does kind of like a shoot-esque promo on all the women in the locker room, saying like, oh, how Charlotte Flair gets all the opportunities. Um, and she says she won't apologize for being good. Riddle fucking gets buried by Lashley. Riddle gets buried by Lashley. You know, fucking... There's new Raw commentary team of Advon Verk, Corey Graves, and Byron Saxton, so... Let's see what happens on SmackDown. Is Corey Graves going on SmackDown too? Who the fuck knows? Um, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler beat Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke by countout. And after Mandy Dana left, Nia mock, mocked Randy, uh, Mandy and tripped as well entering the ring. Nia slips again and falls on her hole. Like, again, you're doing the fucking hole thing where you're taking something and fucking ruin it for all of us. But that is one of the most idiotic fucking things on this entire show and this entire company. Man, Nia's getting all riled up and and getting in Mandy and and Dana's face, and then they leave. They fucking leave when they have the match won, pretty much. And Byron's actually like, "Oh, they're be they're 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 uh, they're making a statement, something that's better than beating them." You know what's better than beating them, Byron? Nothing. Beating them is better than beating them. You have the fucking match won. You can win the the women's tag team titles and you fucking walk away being dumb fucking baby faces? I mean, again, you cannot necessarily blame the artist, but the fucking shit material they're given. Poor Byron Saxon having to fucking say that horrible line and Dana and Mandy looking like complete fucking idiots. It doesn't make any sense. You know, New Day apparently beat Elias and Jackson Riker. Bray Wyatt brings back his Firefly Funhouse saying that he that everything is okay and despite what's happened recently, Bray says the Funhouse members will always have each other's backs and claims he's been reborn. Bray says there will be no more clout chasing and he will be back. So let's see what happens. Uh, Drew beats Braun, Randy... Uh, Braun and Randy Orton in a triple threat match for WrestleMania Backlash. I'm just like, there's so many bad things that happened in this whole fucking thing. I mean, Riddle getting parried. Fucking Mandy and Dana walking away from the title match. Like, dude, this was just a fucking bad episode of Raw. It's been Raw in 2020 and 2021. Oh, and did we fucking forget? Mace and T-Bar 
attack Drew McIntyre. So you take the f- part of the fact- uh, faction, two members of the faction that was not working, not clicking, and you pair them up with the faction that was working, didn't need changes together. So hurt-tribution is what we fucking get. Or retro-business. I, I, ugh, fucking hell, man. Why? Why couldn't they just go back to being Dominic Dijakovic and, and uh, what's his name? Dio Madden. Why couldn't they just go back to doing that? Because retribution is done. It's fucking done. Why won't you let it die? Why are you beating this dead horse? Oh, fuck, man. I don't get it. I don't fucking get it. And this is why I'm just like... I just can't stand raw. I it, it it makes me want to pull my hair out. It gets my blood pressure high, man. It's it's fucking ridiculous what they're booking. So why would you ruin things that are good? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. WWE's thing is like, we gotta make it better. It's that's not better, that's worse. Let's 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 take these guys and put them in the hurt business or line them with the hurt business. Why? To have more big fucking guys around Bobby Lashley? That that make Bobby Lashley look small, believe it or not? Makes no fucking sense, you idiots. Oh, man, this just this this is this this just pisses me off. It really does. We we have a lot more to get into, so I'm just gonna leave it at that. This fucking raw was a nightmare, man. It was a fucking nightmare. Worst post raw after mania ever. The absolute fucking worst. And I was at the best. Eyes on center. East Rutherford, Meadowlands, New Jersey. The night, <laughs> the fucking night when Ziggler won the world title. Remember when Raw's after Manias were special when Ziggler won the world title and cashed in on Boto Del Rio. Paige wins the Divas champion on her first night. You know, stuff like that. Stuff like that when it happens. It, they used to be really special. They used to be. You know, Brock Lesnar returning. You know, shit like that. But no, we don't get that anymore. We we just we just fucking don't. Anyway, let's just move on. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about some of NXT Takeover Stand and Deliver, specifically Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole. My god, man, these guys fucking killed each other. It was hard to watch, it was brutal to watch. You know, uh fucking Cole. Pulling that chain on O'Reilly, man. You know, that finish where, you know, Kyle fucking get, sets Cole up on the upside-down chair. Hits the flying knee for that finish. You know, I can't remember if it was O'Reilly or Cole who pushed the other into the gar- into the, the grate and fell through. Uh, my my God, it was just so good. These, these guys are going to have the greatest rivalry in NXT's history. I am telling you, man. It would for sure be the best rivalry ever if this was in front of real, you know, a capacity full, a full capacity, full cell university. It would be better. It's uh, for me uh, the stories being built can be built better than Gargano and Champa. Champa Gargano was supposed to get this big finish, and you know, obviously Champa's neck injury two years ago, and you know, the pandemic last year is fucked a lot of that up, but. Colin O'Reilly just fucking just went in and kill. We're killing each other, and I want to see more of it. And never have I been so wrong in a predictions contest. I got every single match at Takeovers Night uh, Stand and Deliver Night Two 
wrong. Every single one. This is my worst predictions ever. And I was like, holy fuck, every single one I guessed was wrong. Night one, I got a few right, I think. But for the most part, night two, nothing, man. Zip. Zero. Um, I just, you know, Cohen O'Reilly. But, but the, my one issue was, one, why did you get rid of the Undisputed Era theme song for Cole? Why did you give him some generic music? Why did you give Kyle O'Reilly generic music? These guys are arguably your top babyface and your top heel. And you give him this? You give them this? I mean, Cole tries doing the boom, and it just it just doesn't work. You know, the crowd's just like, well, I, is the oh, oh, boom. I, eh, not good. Not good at all. That's my only issue with that. But that fucking match, incredible. And I want to see more of it. I want to see more of it. It was maybe the most brutal, unsanctioned match in NXT's history. Maybe the most brutal NXT match I've ever seen. Just... The the and the video package added a lot to it. That was amazing. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly, man, Kyle O'Reilly is gonna be that top babyface for years to come. And I want him to be NXT champion. I want. I just. I want more. I want more. More Cole and O'Reilly, man. More. Give me more Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole. Oh man, fucking love it. Fucking love that match, man. So fucking good. Um, I will get into one thing that got into NXT this week, and that involves with Roderick Strong, uh, former Undisputed Era member, and he hands in his resignation papers to uh, to uh, William Regal. Real quickly, though, I had forgotten that I had put I had put uh, a few polls out on uh, on our Twitter page at TNAWP. Um. I had seen that you were most you guys most look forward to Champa versus Walter. That was fucking amazing too. Oh my god. Um for night one. Seventy seven percent there, eight percent Shirai and Gonzalez, and fifteen percent for Pete Dunn versus Kushida. That was great too. Uh no love for the triple threat tag. Uh for night two, you guys eighty three percent Cole versus O'Reilly. And like seventeen percent Ember and Shotzi versus the Way. Man, nothing for Devlin and Escobar and Balor and Cross, you know? Also, by the way, Kushida, new cruiserweight champion. Fucking cool. Again, I'm going to be skimming through a lot of this stuff now. I'm running out of time here, guys. Um, I asked what night you preferred, WrestleMania of WrestleMania, or night one or night two. Uh, 80% of you said night one. 20% of you said night two. And the Raw After Mania, I put that poll up. What were your thoughts on the hashtag Raw After Mania? Five, 100% of you guys said... Fuck this show. The other answers I had were Danny and Mandy are idiots. Hurt Tribution. Damian Priest was buried. Fuck this show. My sentiments exactly. And now we'll get back to the man we were talking about a minute ago. Roderick Strong. I asked, where will Roderick Strong go after he resigned from NXT last night? I put Raw, SmackDown, NXT UK, and it's a swerve, bro, NXT. 50% of you said SmackDown. 17% 17% of you said NXT UK. And 33% of you said, it's a swerve, bro, NXT. Now, I think if Roderick Strong stays in NXT, they're really going to need a good explanation as to why. He handed in his resignation papers. He should really kind of go, right? Um, I really don't want him to go to Raw. I don't want him to go to Raw because he will be facing jobbers, and then he'll start jobbing, 
and he'll be part of the 24-7 division, and then he will just become Roderick. He will no longer be Roderick. He'll just be Roderick, which will hurt my heart so much. Um, SmackDown is a better book show. I don't know how well he'll do over on SmackDown. I mean, a lot better on Raw, but it's still not 100% guaranteed how well he'll do. I mean, they'll probably see his ceiling as like a upper mid-card guy, and he's he's a wrestler's wrestler, and sometimes that doesn't always work with the excuse me work with fans. Um, I hope that's not the case because Rogic is fucking awesome. He's an amazing pro wrestler. You know, one of my favorite matches I've ever seen him in was like you know Keith Lee versus uh, him versus Keith Lee for the North American title. He had a great match with Nakamura and Styles at at. Uh, at Survivor Series, where he won that triple threat match between the three mid-card titles. Um, he had an amazing tag team match with Kyle O'Reilly against Mustache Mountain at Bro- TakeOver Brooklyn 4, which I was there for. Roddy Strong, man, he's fucking awesome, and I just want him to do well. And then the other one, the crazy one, is NXT UK. Now, I actually was listening to the WrestleTalk podcast with uh, Chopper Pete Quinnell and Tempest, the wrestler. Uh, they're doing NXT reviews now on their podcast YouTube channel. And, you know, um, I think it was Tempest who said that he would just love to see him in NXT UK because it would be interesting and it might get more eyes on NXT UK. I would agree. It would definitely, I would definitely want to watch NXT UK if Roddy Strong is over there. Um, but I am not sure if he'll go there. Um, I don't know. I just. I just don't see him returning to NXT. There has to be a. St- they'd have to make it make sense in the storyline. Um, most likely he's gonna go up, call up the main roster, and if he gets called up to Raw on Monday, oh man, I'm gonna be so sad. I mean, he could get called up as soon as tonight, really, for SmackDown. He could, but we'll have to wait. So yeah, I just need to talk about Roderick Strong for a minute because I'm concerned about him, guys. I'm really, I really just want him to be. I just want him to do well. I want him to do well. And as we kind of wrap up things in the podcast here, we'll talk a little bit about what happened with AEW. I will preface it by saying I did not get to watch all of AEW Dynamite the other night. I just didn't. I'm sorry. I'm a very busy person. So, But I will talk about the things I did see. First, we'll talk about that awesome tag team match between the now heel Young Bucks versus Death Triangle of Pac and... Uh, I almost said Orange Cassidy. Why did I say Orange Cassidy? Pac and Ray Phoenix. Um, it was such a fun tag match. Um, one of my favorite dynamite matches, one of my favorite dynamite tag team matches I've seen. Bucks are going full on heel. They Don Cal- they are fully into this whole thing with Don Callis. You know they had turned heel and joined forces with with uh, with the elite again. You know they were going to throw up the two sweep from the previous week and Max like no 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 no, no. family's got a hug so they all hug it out. And at first, I wasn't really sure what kind of story they're trying to tell with everything. You know, I wasn't sure what they were trying to do. But seeing this week, I'm like, okay, it, I'm sure more and more will play out here, and more things will make sense. But I love how the Bucks are healing it up on Twitter too, saying that you know they're saying things like, "Oh, please," on Twitter, like, "Oh, please don't DM us, and please keep it out of your mentions," as as we are very concerned and we are we are. We are uh, you know, we were very emotional right now or whatever they're saying. And then they're saying, like, greatest tag team ever, probably the greatest tag team of all time, probably better than any tag team you will ever see in however many years. What a, You know, just really healing it up on Twitter. And, you know, after Nick Jackson hits, like, uh, 
like a springboard DDT or whatever it was. Not springboard DDT, but like a face buster. I think a springboard face buster on the Phoenix. He's going to the camera like, you get that shot? You get that shot? You know, being a dickhead, he's not going for the pinfall. The the amazing uh, sequences of stuff between Pac and Ray Phoenix and Matt and Nick Jackson, like... You know that led into that amazing Canadian destroyer Nick Jackson hit on Ray Phoenix. Like these, this is these guys are going 150 miles per hour, and I was loving every fucking second of it. You know, Matt Jackson kind of making fun of himself in in his little comeback. You know, he was in the he was in his opponent's corner, and you know he tags Pack. I'm like, yeah, yeah, doing a little comeback, and then he's like starts to cry, pretends pretends to cry in the middle of the ring. You know, um, you know the Bucks are their heels again and honestly that's the best version of the young bucks i'll say it a little louder that's the best version of the young bucks i'm sorry um babyface bucks are not bad but they're the top heels um it's strange how both them and ftr are heels um so one thing they do need to do is they need to build more on their babyface babyface tag teams which i think they're doing they've been doing for a while especially with the best friends and jurassic express they've been doing great with building them as as a team um i just wonder who will take the belts off of the bucks i'm not sure uh the elite had cut a promo backstage you know kenny and the bucks saying you know we're tired of being who you want us to be we want to be true to ourselves uh, Gallows just saying, Anderson just saying funny sound bites here and there. Uh, Don Callis just saying how you know, like, just keep stay tuned because you, you're gonna keep being surprised. Um, we had no John Moxley on this show. Um, we did have Dax Harwood versus Chris Jericho, which is a lot of fun. Uh, Mike Tyson is an honorary member of the Inner Circle. Um, we ha- we're getting blood and guts between the Pinnacle and the Inner Circle on May 5th in Jacksonville. Um, we also, we had earlier in the show where Hangman Adam Page was with the Dark Order and Alex Marvez asked about, you know, he's the number one contender for the AEW World Championship and how does he feel about his former friends, the Young Bucks, now aligning himself with Kenny Omega and Adam Page completely dodges the question being like, yeah, John's still, John's shoulder's doing great. He should be good in about four to six weeks. Hits John's shoulder. He's like, ah, he's like, well, I thought he was a good shoulder. He's like, yeah, but now this one hurts. And then John and then uh, Hangman left to go. He's like, "Oh, I'll get some food. I'm gonna be right back." And then jo- uh, Johnny Hungy just going nuts. He's like, "Oh, come on!" And then Alex Mar- uh, Marvez um, Reynolds is like, oh, "I'll do some rehab." Johnny like, "Yeah," <laughs> like he's <laughs> Dark Order are fucking hilarious. Especially John Silver, man. I'm so glad their BT characters have been like, you know, being present on AEW television because John Silver is fucking funny as hell, man. I saw on his Instagram story where I, uh, he's um, <laughs> he's doing meat. He's doing preparation and he's beating his meat. He's beating the ground beef, <laughs> the ground beef in the video. Oh man, John Silver's the fucking man, and uh, I'm glad to see that he's still with me on TV and he's gonna be able to um, still doing funny stuff and hopefully he'll be returning very soon. Um, I caught some clips here and there of Matt Hardy versus Darby Allen. That was insane. Darby Allen, Darby Allen's main eventing the shows every other week now. So fucking props to Darby Allen, dude. They fucking love him, and I love him too. He got a big win over Matt Hardy. Lance Archer and Sting were able to kind of get their whole thing in with their feud. Uh, you know, pretty much taking Isaiah Cassidy and beating the shit out of him and and Mark Quinn. Uh, a lot of stuff happened in this match, but overall, this was a fun episode of Dynamite. 
Um, I'm really, uh, they were losing me a little bit with the whole Kenny Omega Young Bucks storyline. I wasn't sure where they were going, but they drew me back in this week. Uh, the Inner Circle versus the Pinnacle is going to be awesome. It's going to be a fun, fun time. Um, you know, Mike Tyson into the whole thing. It's it, Let's see, really see how long Tyson's going to be around for this whole fucking thing. But, um, but I loved it, man. Uh, this show was great. Darby versus Matt was awesome. Uh, the the Bucks versus Pac and Ray Phoenix was was amazing. Uh, yeah, probably my favorite opening tag match. Probably my favorite, again, my favorite tag match in Dynamite's history so far. It was so much fun, so much fun. Well, I should say probably my favorite Dynamite COVID t- uh, match. Dynamite COVID match, maybe. Uh, it's one. It's up there because you have to remember the other great matches. Dynamite has had with tag teams, you know, they had that tag, you know, the Bucks versus Private Party in Boston when they were still doing TV live in front of crowds. But anyway, I digress here, guys. Uh, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. I'm sorry if you turned into this episode and you want to hear me talk a lot about AEW. I'm sorry. I've been a very, very busy man. You know, I have my day job. I have this podcast. I have my band. Hollow Heroes, which you can still listen to on Spotify and Apple Music with our two songs, Alone and Death is Expensive. You can check out Alone on YouTube, our single, our music video. Uh, We'll be getting more content up on YouTube very shortly in the near future. We have more songs in the can, which we will be releasing in the next few weeks. We are very excited for you guys to hear this stuff. Um, If you love Marvel and Star Wars, again, Fan Speculation is my other podcast I do with my my brother, Vinny Carini, and we talk about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We talk about news going on with Star Wars and Marvel. We talk about some of our favorite moments. We just recently had our episode that released yesterday. So when you're done listening to this, go listen to Fan Speculation. We re- we gave a little tribute to our to our homie, to our boy DMX. Rest in peace, DMX. Um, we talked about how Disney was able to create an actual real lightsaber. Yeah, listen to that over there. Hear more about it. And then we reviewed uh, what happened in Episode 4 of the Falcon Winter Soldier and what we think who a big cameo is going to be for uh, today's episode. So please go back and listen to... Excuse me. Please go and listen to Fan Speculation on Apple or Spotify or wherever. And we're on Instagram over at Fan Speculation underscore pod. That's Fan Speculation underscore pod. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Be a supporter of this podcast at TNAWP on Twitter, the Not Another Wrestling Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, please be listening to us on Spotify, Apple Music, sorry, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, we, uh, I, I'm just very appreciative of all you guys who have been uh, listening into the podcast. Um, big things are coming up very soon, guys, with all these projects. So please, please stay tuned. You never know where I'm going to pop up. You never know what podcast I'm going to pop up. A little bit of a teaser of what's going to be happening in the near, very near future. Wink, wink. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. And if you want to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at CJ12 at CJ underscore 1293 on Instagram, CJ12 underscore 1214 on Twitter. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. I've been CJ Palmasano. We'll see you next time.
this morning. 